Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Cleveland Cavaliers uh, did not exactly do those new powder blue jerseys any justice. Uh, They got ran off the floor by the Miami Heat. Apparently, going against the zone defense was a little too difficult for them. Uh, To to help break everything down and kick the new year off right is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Uh... Our one of our Discord members, Evan Damerel, um, just tweeted. I know people joke about Duke beating the Cavs, but right now Syracuse might have a shot. <laughs> God, that's a great tweet. And I was just thinking. I actually, before he even tweeted that, I just thought, you know, I don't think either of us are what you, what you'd call college basketball fans. And something I always talk about. You know, like, and I've opened my mind a little bit. There's stuff that's fun about college basketball that, you know, maybe I've been too hard on it in the past. But whenever I'm being critical, I'll always kind of point to the fact that one of the most successful college coaches in the history of the NCAA uh, runs a defense that only works because everyone fucking sucks. (laughs) And here we stand watching our favorite NBA team flail against a vaunted 2-3 defense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I think it had more to do with Dion Waiters checking into the game because uh, he checked in later. And I, I think just the presence of Dion being there, they were a little starstruck. It, it was just overwhelming for them. Plus, uh, the, the pressure of those new jerseys. What did you think of the jerseys, by the way? Oh, I liked the jerseys. I thought they looked really nice. I think that soft blue is something you don't really see a lot in the NBA right now which is, like, kind of hard to do when every team has nine jerseys. Yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it looked real slick, actually. Um, and uh, I wouldn't mind seeing them wear those a little bit more often. You notice they uh, they didn't wear the City editions more than, like, once. Um, I, well, which I, I mean, you wouldn't know I, this. No one time. liked them, but still. Yeah. You you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't know this as someone that doesn't really watch the team, oh, but uh, yeah, they they've worn them a couple times, and uh, 
Uh, actually, funny story. Uh, dude, I felt like, but dude, I feel like they wore those hideous gray ones like 60 times last year. Yeah, true. But that, that might have been because LeBron designed them. <laughs> Kept him around, you know? Yeah, exactly. You, you, <laughs> you had to cater to that, keep them in town. Funny story. Oh. Uh, powder blues are what uh, Andy Lou calls New Year's Day. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he's made, he doesn't like those jokes anymore. I think he's taking them personally. I know. Actually, Andy Loki got his life together. Not, not sure that, that, but actually, I'm not treating that, him that way. That, that was a really bad transition. Um, he's our hot mess express. Yeah, um, yeah this team, um, I couldn't believe how little they knew about how to attack a 2-3 zone, Justin. I couldn't fucking believe it. It, it was really it was like, like we all kind of know roughly what you're supposed to do, right? Like enter it into the middle at the free throw line and cut around it and hit open threes. They didn't even generate, they didn't even do step one. The funny thing is it kind of like exasperated the biggest problem with the Cavs over this stretch. And that is they take way too long to get into their offensive sets and against the zone, you have to kind of penetrate. You have to make it move, and then eventually it opens up shots. But when you're starting to enter the three-point line with, like, 10 seconds left in the shot clock, even if you, you have players that know what they're doing, you're not going to generate consistently good looks. And- Bro, they were running high pick and roll against a 2-3 zone defense with nine seconds left on the shot clock. <laughs> I, I don't know. Fuck. Like there were so many parts of this game that were like hilariously depressing. Oh man! And you know what, dude? I was looking forward to this one. I I was too, especially. I was with like, that. oh man! I didn't watch the Hawks game, and that was pretty competitive. I had a th- a party to go to, so I didn't yeah, get to watch. Sure. I was like, yeah. cause debut, Rodney Hood's back, <laughs> Thompson's back, and god damn, that was. I was writing play player grades uh, tonight for Fearless Sword. And, like, six players in, I just wanted to write, like, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> I was just so out of it. I, I, I don't know if that, I don't think that would hold up to uh, SB Nation editing standards there. Uh, luckily, it holds up to their podcast standards because they don't have any. Well, I, um, I think one of the low-key most depressing parts of the game was uh, when Fred and AC were doing the recap. And, okay, leading score for Miami, Josh Richardson, 24 points. Then it goes leading score for Cleveland, which at the time was true. I know Tristan passed him right at the end, but Rodney Hood, 13 points, five is up and shooting. Like it wasn't a bad game, but it was just so depressing to see like that was the best we had to offer was Rodney Hood, who I mean well, Tristan had all of two rebounds, uh, not to be critical of a guy coming back from injury, but like it's not like Tristan lit the world on fire either. Like no one played well. The no. defense, I just couldn't believe that second quarter, man. Delhi was doing runners, taking guys one on five because it's a zone. So, you know, they help. Uh, <laughs> sorry. That was mean. Uh, they're running a zone and he's going one on one and throwing up floaters. I saw Larry Nance take an honest to God off the dribble 17 footer tonight, Justin. <laughs> That's how they repay me for my, for my goodwill. Um, and the defense, man, oh my God, it's just like, like it's, I went like, find yourself someone who loves you. 
Never mind. Finish the joke. It's mean, but finish the joke. Find yourself someone who loves you like the Cavs love Mike Longobardi because that guy, this defense has been, I mean, no sign of progress no matter what the, you know, like during the last couple years of the Cavs, it's like, oh, well, you know, they're not trying and, you know, they have a playoff gear and Ty Lue takes over in the playoffs, which is kind of an indictment in its own way. Um, but like, you know, whatever, LeBron's not trying. They don't have good personnel. Like, I think you could run out five Scotty Pippins and the Cavs would give up 90 open layups. <laughs> Man. You, know even, you know what's like my least favorite Cavs defense problem with this team right now is – is like when a guy kind of bullies his way within two feet of the rim, and like Collins, like like Josh Richardson had at least six layups tonight, minimum maybe thirty, um, where he just kind of walked all the way to the rim and was like two feet away, and just pump faked a couple times, kind of in anticipation of anyone coming to help, and yeah. no one did, and he had Colin Sexton on him, who's five foot eleven. And uh, I'm going to make him shorter every time I mention him moving forward, by the way. I mean, that's, that's what I do with, like, Draymond Green and Isaiah yeah. Thomas. So and, and, to- he, and he just gets to the knees and lamp because he's right there. It's not hard. Like, he's not guarded. You have to come help. Yeah. I, Longo's, like, the NBA version of Marvin Lewis at this point. Like, you're oh, just kind of waiting for it to happen. Um, and, I, I, and, you know, like – I don't know, man. I know we're being hard on him, but that was just a – I think I allowed myself – I think I'm especially put out because I was uh, – I, I allowed myself to get kind of excited. You know, I, I needed to make a football analogy because now that the Brown season is over, we might have new listeners. So, shout out to you guys. Um, <laughs> if this was your introduction to Cavs basketball. Um... It's been this way the whole time. <laughs> Wait a second. You haven't met- – this is exactly what it is. No, but I, I mean, I think it's evident. saddle up, Sea Biscuit. Like I don't, I don't think that the Cavs necessarily have great defensive personnel. I don't think that's an earth-shattering, controversial statement here. But I, I think it is telling that just consistently there doesn't seem to be understanding of what they need to do. And I, I was talking about this earlier actually because uh, I was having a bit of a discussion about. Uh, Thompson versus Nance in, in the starting role, kind of what each one brings. And something we mentioned last week was just the learning curve that centers have defensively. And I so think that's, and that's something that Larry Nance is going through too, because he hasn't played a ton of center in his career, or at least not primarily a center. Like he plays a little bit of small ball. Yeah, he used to, he was kind of the chaos engine for the Lakers defense as opposed to the hub, which he is for the Cavs. Right. And he has the capability to do a lot of things defensively. He can switch onto guards. He, he can protect the rim at times, um, but he just doesn't seem to understand where he needs to be. And he isn't necessarily an effective defender. Um, he, he also ha- hasn't been much of a, a rim protector either. It, his field goal percentage allowed at the rim is around 13% worse than Tr- Tristan. Um, but I, I don't think that's necessarily his fault because there is that learning curve. And again, it, it's a team effort on defense. Like it, you have to have constant communication. You have to have everybody kind of working together. And the Cats are just so disjointed and, I guess that that's something that uh, for those that were worried about this team being too good when Kevin Love comes back, I don't think that's going to change with Love. Uh, so that might help keep those that win total down for you guys. 
Um, but I, I, I just think it's an indictment towards this coaching staff to, to a certain degree. Yeah, dude, it's like, you know, I, I tweeted this earlier, so sorry if I, sorry to regurgitate my own content. But, uh, you know, some defenses are greater than the sum of their parts. You know, you look at the Nuggets this year. They have a top 10 defense, I think, or at least they did a couple weeks ago. Um, playing Jamal Murray and Jokic and a bunch of bunch of not great defenders, and you know maybe Future they're a little Jamal Murray. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, they're but you know they're overperforming probably. They're ex- they're uh, more than the sum of their parts. And then you have teams that are just are the sum of their parts. You know, like you know, like a team that isn't going to blow you away, but they they do their job and um, you know they perform up to their talent level. The Cavs are have at no point been even close to the sum of their parts like guys who have good defensive reputations come to the Cavs and cannot defend I I think the only the last time I had confidence in the Cavs defensively was post all-star break 2015 yep that is actually a really good point like um it's just been just hideous man and like I just I they can't compete. They because especially this team more than any other cannot afford to be taking the ball out of their own basket. Right, right. No, like I, they I, need to run in transition, and it's really hard to run off makes. Um, it was just oh man, this is this is among the worst games of the year. Like where you just feel like no progress is being made. The team had twenty two rebounds tonight, Justin. See, you know what? It wasn't. <laughs> 22 I, I don't know if i felt it being as bleak as you're kind of portraying it but i like i know it is objectively but i'm still kind of doing that thing where i don't really look at the score like i, I didn't see anything good on the court uh you know what there, there were moments like i i'm i'm really just looking for any flashes of anything and i thought how colin sexton came out of the game i was about to say i i, I mentioned this if there is a bright spot colin sexton's play style as of late I think has been encouraging, but go, right. go, go, go I mean, ahead. if you look at his game log recently, after no assists in Indiana on the 18th, uh, you have the lowest he's had is three assists in a game, which was higher than his career average before the stretch. Two games with six assists, and then tonight with four. Uh, granted, a lot of those came early, but he seems to be moving the ball more. He seems to be a more willing passer. His minutes are actually down over that stretch as well. And he's still generating uh, the same, if not more assist opportunities than he did uh, prior to that stretch. So yeah, uh, I don't even think this is a stats thing. I think it's an eye test thing. And I think we were, you watch him and when he gets into the teeth of the defense, he is looking for where the help is coming from and looking to hit that person. Now, right. this Cavs roster isn't currently really capable of doing much with that um, when he does kind of spoon-feed them good opportunities. But uh, it's, it's really like, you know, we made fun of uh, Keith Pompey of the, of the Sixers beat for, Pat, for his uh, glorious ode to Ben Simmons' courage for being willing to shoot jumpers. So I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite here. No, I, I think but, like it is nice to see the effort. Like, like that's a big part of being a young player that gets better is trying shit you're not good at. We, and, we need uh, Keith to be our our podcast hype man. Just yeah, those guys put up two two podcasts a week and none of them have been good. No, no but, granted, but, but some, hey, some you know what? They're they're still out there recording. <laughs> yes, and, exactly. 
and no one listens, but you know, they, but you know, some will point to the fact that no one listens, but uh, you know, these guys are out there uh, doing it. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like it, it's funny. Sexton, I, I think he's showing some growth there. I think Jetty's been a lot better recently. Uh, tonight wasn't exactly a prime example of that, but um, at least he was fine tonight though. Like, I didn't think Jetty was bad. I mean, no, defensively, he was bad, but no, everyone was bad. He wasn't bad, but it, it's kind of been the reverse of what he's been lately, which uh, lately he's been very, very effective at scoring within the three-point line. I think uh, over the, like, the last eight games coming into here, he was shooting about 65% within uh, the three-point line. Uh, yeah, any any like six-game stretch of him shooting over 50%, you got to be happy with right now. No, no exactly. Uh, and, playing and, quite well. Since and, mid mid December, and tonight he went two of five on three, got fouled on another three point attempt. Like, um, I, I think it's it's nice steps in the right direction. Um, and you you're talking about see, I I think what actually made me feel better was the start of this game, how the Cavs looked initially, um, because no, Tristan, it was a fun start. It was like eighteen to twelve, right? And, then, and you could oof. see kind of what has made Tristan and Sexton be a little more successful than Nance yeah. and Sexton. Because Nance, we, we've mentioned this before, he likes to kind of push the pace. He likes having the ball in his hands. And having him staggered with the second unit, I thought looked good. Uh, and granted, all of this comes pre-zone, but I thought that looked good. I thought Tristan being out there kind of freeing up Sexton on screens, uh, it causes help defenders to come, and Sexton was able to make some good reads there. And, and he was just generating opportunities for guys. And, and to me, that, that was really encouraging to see. Also, like the way he just stepped into a couple of his threes tonight. Um, oh, yeah. uh, an unencumbered and firing away Sexton is uh, what you like to see. Um, uh, and it's going to be a big part of his game moving forward if he is to become an effective player, um, especially as he's still trying to figure out how to finish around length uh, defensively. And the Heat, I mean, and really this is a bit of a – outside of the Atlanta game against uh, human paper mache and uh, – or human <laughs> tissue paper and Trey Young, like, uh, you know, Miami twice, Memphis, like Toronto, like these teams that can throw good long defenders at him. He doesn't really have the skill set to get around a Josh Richardson or Justice Winslow mm-hmm. most nights. Um, but – the three-pointer was kind of integral to that, as well as being a more willing passer. So, I thought it was a pretty and en- pretty enjoyable uh, Sexton game. Uh, I thought T- Thompson looked nice, other than the fact that he didn't grab any rebounds. But like, <laughs> I guess who cares? He's just coming back from an injury. Yeah, Miami um, needs to miss shots in order for there to be rebounds. <laughs> yeah, they missed forty. They only missed forty-two shots. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, they, yeah, they missed 42 shots and grabbed 13 offensive rebounds. <laughs> yeah, see, the, the Cavs came out with a good game plan. Things were working, and then they just had no adjustment for Miami's only adjustment, which was going to zone. So we, we just need to, you know, piece by piece. We work, work towards having a functioning offense for uh, more than 10, 15 minutes. And be able to beat a, a defense that they that all these players should have seen enough of in high school. Um, yeah, I I don't know, man. Uh, what did you think? And unfortunately for the purposes of the podcast, um, pretty difficult to evaluate, uh, what Pat McCaw did, uh, in his debut. Um, Hey, hey, no, he is the 
he has the fourth highest field goal percentage of any player on the team behind Tristan, Nance, and Delhi. You're absolutely right. Um, to be clear, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying you can't tell. He was just very quiet. Um, you know, had a couple of nice defensive possessions. Yeah, I was going to say like, open three. The fact that just like he just didn't play that much and was being, you know, I think he's got to work his way in. Yeah, I, I think it's actually encouraging that he played 18 minutes tonight and didn't look like a glaring liability out there. Like, you didn't really notice him one way or another. I mean, the three was obviously short. He, he doesn't have his legs under him. Um, but I, I will I, say, Justin, if he were to look like a glaring liability, he'd probably fit right in. So, <laughs> right. Well, I don't know if that, I don't know if that, <laughs> I don't know if that uh, excludes him. No, but I mean, this is a guy that, he hasn't really had a ton of burn so far in his career. Um, I, I don't think either of us have really high expectations for him, but he's somebody that has shown uh, a good ability to be a team player. He knows how to move the ball and play within an offense. And he has uh, really good tools defensively. Like I think him coming off a year of not playing is probably the Cavs best wing defender outside in the Waba. Like <laughs> it, it's not exactly a high bar here. Um, I, I guess we should give some props to Delhi for trying. Um, but I, I we, we haven't really talked about McCaw because we haven't recorded since the, the signing went down. Sorry, um, holidays. But uh, you you wrote a good piece, I, I think, breaking it down on uh, Fear the Sword. And, and I, I think the, the Coles Notes version here would be that this is kind of the gamble that the Cavs should be taking. The, the what's notes? Oh, God. Oh, that's a Canadian thing, isn't it? Cliff notes. That's yeah. Uh, yeah it's Coles. spark notes. Those yeah. are yeah. Coles like <laughs> like a guy named Cole. Yeah. Continue. Let's trust move him. on. <laughs> Cole's uh, a bit of a dick, but but he, he he takes good notes. Very concise. Well, I'll tell you what. You didn't have to read the Crucible in tenth grade because of him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think. The thing with McCaw that's interesting is that he's not really that good right now. Um, but he kind of – he's had a weird career from the perspective of he was on the Warriors um, and was a guy draft next liked. So when they bought his draft rights a couple years ago, everyone wet themselves because they always do this with the right. Warriors. How could um, they let this happen? How could the league And then, and then every happen? layup henceforth um, – you know, created a series of hand-wringing tweets from a bunch of nerds who don't realize that that's not, that he's not the reason the Warriors aren't beatable. Um, no, we but, all we all know the reason they're not beatable is Jordan Bell, of course. Um, the other the other guy they poached. Um, but you know, to that end, like he had this weird like cachet around him. Um, but he also showed interesting flashes. You know, had a couple moments in the finals a couple years ago. Um, you know, appears to have some defense, but he also has some deficiencies and specifically deficiencies that this Cavs team kind of already also has, which is like he can't shoot and is better better paired with, a, you know, as a, as a secondary creator as opposed to a primary. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like the Cavs kind of beggars can't be choosers for them and they just need guys who have a modicum of talent and guys who have shown flashes uh, yeah, to it's, see if it's, they can kind of extrapolate forward. Um, and you know his price tag, two years, six million. It's like who gives a shit? That's like just a little bit more than the league minimum. They had to fill that roster spot eventually. Why right. not? And especially give with McCaw the some run. 
especially with it not being guaranteed. And I mean, he's also a player that's actually young. Like we, we always talk about a young core. Um, I, it's like 26 year old Larry Nance. Right. Exactly. Like, um, and, and he's someone that I, I, I think it's encouraging that uh, some Warriors fans were actually disappointed that he was gone. Um, we, we probably have a little bit of a skewed opinion just because we talked to Sam so much. And I mean, it, I, I had low expectations for him. And then Sam's basically like that Draymond to Kevin Durant gif where he's just tapping on his shoulder, hyping up McCaw to me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's someone that I, it's worth giving a shit about. And in this season, that just, that's in short supply. Yeah, I, I was kind of running through all the reasons why he wasn't a good fit with the Cavs in my piece on Fear the Sword. Check it out if you're uh, so inclined. Um, and then I kind of eventually landed on, but you know what he does add to the Cavs is youth, um, uh, you know, uh, a modicum of potential. And more than anything, he's a live, warm body on a team that's been playing two-way player Jalen Jones like 20 minutes a game. You know, right. it's not like anything is to be sacrificed for his existence on this team. So, you know, that's the nice thing about, uh, you know, if you are in a team that's in as bad of a spot as the Cavs are, is like, there's almost no downside. You know, like I joked in the piece, like we learned from Andrew Bynum, there's no such thing as a no risk signing. Uh, but this is about as close as you can get. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, I completely agree. I, I especially with it being non-guarantee as he said like it's Plus, i kind of like that this guy like he's had a weird off he had a weird free agency where it was like the warriors were offering a little money uh, you know i think 0.8 million less than what the Cavs were offering mm-hmm. um and but he you know he had that awful injury uh mid middle last season that clearly cost him some money uh the Warriors were playing Nick Young in front of him in the rotation. That definitely cost him some money because I think he was probably looking for a payday. But I do like a guy that's willing to bet on himself and um, that, like, he wasn't content just to, you know, sit and collect rings as the Warriors' 12th man. Um, I think right. that's kind of a good indicator for his competitiveness. Yeah, you know, he's not a coward like he, Kevin Durant. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've talked about this team. I'm just going to move on. We've talked about this team being a bit of a try-hard team, uh, though tonight uh, was no indicator of that. Um, but in general, they really have given good efforts on a night-to-night basis. And, you know, I, I, I expect McCaw to be a part of that culture, um, which is kind of nice to, to have. Like, I, I'm excited to see this guy uh, grow as a Cavalier. And as we've noted, there aren't a lot of guys that you can really say that about right now. Right. And as you mentioned earlier, I mean, it, it sounds like an insult, but it's not like the Cavs just need warm bodies. And I, I think that's also something that they're going to need in the very near future because, and I had forgotten about this, but with, with the season starting earlier, the trade deadline's February 7th. Like we're almost, oh, wow. a, we're almost a month away from the trade deadline here. And uh, I think the assumption is that both Alec Burks and Rodney Hood will be gone, or at least one of them will be gone. And as you alluded to earlier, part of the issue in Golden State and why that relationship soured outside of kind of how the rehab was handled um, was him not getting playing time and, and the, them going with the guy that uh, the Warriors core was friends with and enjoyed playing with in, in Nick Young over him. Um, the Nick so, Young contract was such a waste of a mid-level. Yeah, it, it was a weird one. But I, I think that's one of those there where – 
I mean, they basically I mean, whatever. Made, Who cares? No, like, they, yeah, fine. they were throwing the team bone. It's like, hey, you, you guys got a championship for us. We'll give you the guy that you want to sign and you want to play with. So, um, I, I mean, I, I think that's fine. But I, I think playing time was a selling feature, and he. As the suit thinks he's a player in the league. No, um, and, and I like that. Yeah. I mean, I like guys yeah. with confidence. I, I'd rather have that than like Rodney Hood getting an open three and just kind of questioning his entire existence, dribbling in a little bit, tossing it to Tristan or Nance, and then getting the handoff and jacking up a step back 12-footer. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Um, again, we didn't really get to see much of him tonight um, and a bit of a lost effort. And I'm kind of glad they're not throwing him to the Wolves too much. I think he was like the 10th guy to get into the game. I mean, um, 18 minutes is still a fair bit, though. Like, Yeah, sure, for you know your first game in like six months. Did he play in the finals at all? I can't even remember. No, no, no. He he was out. I didn't think so. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, mean, I think he was available, but they just didn't need him. Oh, so okay. they weren't going to be like, uh, you know, you have to <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't sure. I hadn't followed the Papinkos saga too much. Like, I didn't know if he was still having to start the season. Yeah, I I guess that would make sense why he kind of looked like he was at least in decent enough shape to play. Yeah, I think think the holdout was more a byproduct of uh, his wishes uh, as opposed to um, his health uh, causing any problems. I just think, you know, when you have a fall like that and you're a fringe player anyway, no one's really going to offer you a deal. Mm-hmm. Except a team with nothing to lose. Again, go Caps. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I, I guess that kind of ties into rotation talk, and, and we touched on it earlier, but just Tristan coming back, Larry Nance moving to the bench. It, it's something that I really like um, because we, we've seen the tension out there with Nance and Sexton, and I just I like how Nance looks whenever he's playing with that second unit. I, I think it's a good way to actually utilize his passing. And when you're trying to make sense of this Cavs puzzle, which very little of it makes sense, we're we're still only a couple pieces into the puzzle. Um, But Tristan is someone that has fit better with Sexton. We know that he's a really good fit along Love, who, let's face it, those are two of, of the Cavs' major investments here, both in picking Sexton high and the contract that they gave Kevin Love. So I, I think the fact that he puts Nance in his best position to succeed, he shelters him uh, from the heavy workload and wearing down, which we've seen a few times already from Nance, and the way that he fits with Love and Sexton, I, I just think Tristan going back to the starting lineup helps this team make sense, which uh, we, we don't have a lot of players that do that. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, I do think that, I've at least kind of settled into the idea that it's okay if Larry Nance doesn't start, even with his extension, right. um, moving forward. And that does allow Tristan to be a member of this team now. It does make it a little tricky if they want to add to their front court in the draft uh, For down sure. the line, say with a Zion Williamson. It's like, then what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, but those are those are later problems. And for now, it does make a little bit more sense. Tristan just is actually really just good. He just sets screens that actually work. Um, yeah, that's after a, while. that's like, a huge difference. Like it, it's it's not that Larry's a terrible screen setter. He just he bails on them just, a little too early. And, and Tristan is just aggressively cheating. Right. Yeah. He, he's one of those guys that gets away with illegal screens. Like 
he, he's, I guess, earned that. I, I, I don't and know. Larry it's, never gets away with him. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Anytime well, he drags one solid. out of uh, what? He's also less solid with it, right? Like Tristan. Yeah, that's for sure. He really squares up and then he's kind of moving his body a little bit. Nancy can kind of see like the foot slide or there's a little bit of holding there. But yeah, when I mean, when Tristan sets a screen, it really opens up a pocket for the ball handler most of the time. Yeah. So this team needs so bad. Right. Because we don't have someone that can make manipulate the defense any other way and, and open up opportunities for perimeter shooters. I mean, if we theoretically had them. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think Tristan can be a part of this team moving forward. And um, he is the leader of the team for better or worse. It seems Um, from a, from a kind of a tone setting standpoint. Like I think this Cavs see this Cavs season actually could be going much worse somehow. Oh, absolutely. I'm loath to say that because I don't know what that even looks like. I mean, in fairness, we were – I remember like a couple like a couple months ago, we were actively wondering whether this team was going to get to double-digit wins. No. Well, you were. Well, um, you, weren't, you weren't fighting me too hard, pal. Well, I mean, I, I responded pretty quickly to your tweet and said that they'll probably get like 18 or so. Um, here's like the they thing. were on pace for nine wins. It was no, hideous. Yeah, they, I, I they mean, did things... find they did find something, and and it didn't involve Kevin Love. He was already gone at that point, and I think Tristan's a big part of that. That's my point. No, things were absolutely bleaker, and I mean, things are always going to get a little weird because it's Cleveland and it's Cavaliers. Um, but I, I think they've actually found a little bit of stability. I think uh, there, there doesn't seem to be the same player mutiny that there was earlier in the year. Well, um, did you listen to the road tripping with uh, Tristan? No, I, I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, it's great. First off, it was a very – some of those recent ones have been a little, like, off. Like, I haven't really felt the need to listen to them. But mm-hmm. um, but this one was great. It was just Channing Tristan and Angel Gray. And I think uh, Joe – or, uh, yeah, Joe G, I want to say. Uh, no, is uh, who's the play-by-play guy? Blanking on his name. The radio play-by-play guy. <laughs> I was about to be a dick and say Fred McLeod. Uh, John Michael. That's who it is. John Michael. Sorry. Um, uh, but Tristan and uh, I think Clarkson actually joined into the convo randomly. It was one of those drop-ins that they, that happened on that show from time to time. And they were all just talking about how the locker room actually like really likes each other. And George Hill was actually really sad to leave, hmm. which surprised me. But actually, it kind of lines up with his quotes. Like, Yeah, it does. Um, and like, so I think this team actually has a pretty solid foundation, um, in terms of not being a toxic play, place to come into work, which, you know, it's big. I mean, players talk e- right? even in the LeBron era, that was the case. They were, it was often a toxic place to come into work. No. And, and that's a step towards developing the culture and de- developing better habits. And what we've talked about is that we want to see this team look like a normal NBA team. And yeah, dude, uh, just being normal would be so nice for like four years. Yeah. And I don't want to necessarily. I would love go- to be Indiana. <laughs> like in the last, <laughs> you know, the last like three years. I, yeah, it, Indiana would be nice. I, I'd even take like the Hawks run, uh, the highlight factory, oh. followed by like relevance for a few years. Sure. But here, to circle back, I I don't want to go off the rails too much, but what you're saying about being comfortable with Larry Nance not needing to be a starter, I mean, it's kind of, okay, so they paid him a fair amount of money here, but I I think it's an 
acknowledgement of what he does best and what his limitations are. Like, especially when Kevin Love comes back, like, do you really want Larry Nance bringing up the ball and creating for others? I think you help get more money or more value out of that contract by putting him in a role to succeed, giving him a little more responsibilities off the bench. He's able to play his style. It also helps keep him healthy and keep him on the court, which is a constant issue with him throughout his career. Yeah, um, and bench players need extra help creating shots typically. Right, absolutely. So I, I think that it really makes a lot of sense. And um, as you said, maybe it complicates things in the future if the Cavs add a, a young player that – plays better at the four or the five but that's not a bridge that you can cross once you get to it like you you can then trade guys and it would be easier to trade someone like nance or tristan if they're put in their ideal situations and, and they're correct the to their abilities correct I, I i completely agree um that's a that's future cabs problems um and this is the the contract they gave them it is um it does decline year by year which is nice um and honestly, I don't really, you know, the more I think about it, the less I just, I just don't care. Cap room doesn't matter to the Cavs and, and probably never will. No, it, it only matters in flexibility and the Cavs aren't really necessarily at that point yet. Like taking on, I, I know they're taking on bad contracts and exchange for picks and stuff, but they can do that with the, their non-guaranteed deals that they have. Um, speaking of apathy, I was talking to, um, shout out to Whitney from our, our Discord chat. And we're just kind of talking about coaching in general. Do you have any feelings towards Larry Drew? Because, like, I, I don't I really want him have, to be the coach next year. Yeah, like, I, I don't want him to be the coach, but, like, I don't really put a lot of thought into what he's done this season. Like, I, I just, I almost I'm, forget that he's part of the team. Yeah, the only time I really notice him is when he doesn't play Sexton late, which doesn't piss me off as, other, as much as it pisses off other people. Right. Um, and, and, I mean, hey, let's, like, just let's, he's, I, 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 I want to cut you off here. <laughs> I, I think also Sexton playing a little bit better team basketball lately and, and closing out games as a result of it. I, I think that accountability that Drew is kind of instilling in him is paying off. Like it seems to be that he's responding properly to that. So that, that's a positive. But I'm not exactly a fan of, the way Larry talks about Sexton in the media. Like he's, he talks about him like someone that understands that he's not going to be there in the future. So he can just kind of honestly say whatever he wants about Colin. And I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of that. I just think he's a Jag man, just a guy. <laughs> like he's a coach. He, most coaches are between, you know, there's only a few super elite ones. And then there's a few specialists that, you know, oh, this guy's a defense specialist. So this is like, you know, you, then you look at like Kenny Atkinson. He's like a player development guy. Um, and then there's a bunch of guys who just show up and coach and they run their system and hope it works. And mostly their talent dictates what, what's going on. And it certainly appears like based on his whole career, that's what the case with Larry Deere. Is that fair? No, no, that, uh, that seems about right. He, yeah, I mean, he's not someone you. I mean, he's an older guy. Is this really who you really like? I I would be pretty stunned if the Cavs brought him back, especially given how ugly this season is. Um, it's not like they've really shown much, and you know, he's an older guy. He's, I mean, he's almost seventy, right? Um, and and let's be honest, like we we've talked about it before, we 
it's tough as fans to gauge exactly what a coach is doing and, and properly evaluate it. Um, but I mean, this is my bias here, but I just, I want something new. Like <laughs> I just, I want something that I can get excited about. Even if it's a retread, someone that at least has a, a history that can be a little bit exciting. If it's a fresh face, then it's a fresh face that we have no idea. We have no baggage. We have nothing that we associate them with, at least in the NBA. So uh, I just how about, want, how about a coach? I want a fresh start. You know, you know who I who you know like it. It just feels like they need a coach that um, kind of has a strong sense of what he wants to do and is a little more progressive. This is a very old school team and it's shot profile and play style and pace. And um, I think they could use a guy that, you know, uh, is going to kind of change, you know, I, I, I feel like Kenny Atkinson is the dream, like a guy like Kenny Atkinson. Right. Um, right. Cause the nets have been playing the right way uh, for the last three years. It just hasn't led to any wins cause their roster was so, so limited. No, um, no, and, and now that they have a few guys, they're winning a few more games, and like it's a natural build. That's like what healthy organizations do. We've talked about this. So, um, looking for a guy like that that has some potential that you can see being around six, seven years down the road. Hell, even if it's someone who doesn't run a super modern offense like a Brett Brown, but someone who the org can kind of spotlight and say, "You're going to take us through these dark years and get us where we're going." Not a bridge guy, a guy that's actually gonna that you kind of believe in long term, right? Right. Uh, maybe so, and ideally a younger guy, in my opinion. Yeah, and then we could the do best. like the Celtics cult following of Brad Stevens, but with someone else, <laughs> yeah, and, and just blindly ignore any flaw with them. Um, I, I, I do think like uh, here's part of why I would be stunned if he was back next year. I I think, especially with the change in general manager, even though Colby Altman was there before, whenever you see a change uh, with the general manager, typically that the coaching staff comes with an expiration date. They like putting in their own guys. They, they like kind of building the organization in their image, and I just think that that's something that's coming. Um, that More than anything, though, teams don't keep around an interim GM or an inter- teams don't keep around an interim coach unless they're kind of forced to because the interim coach did so fucking well they can't justify moving on. No, no, I completely and agree. Boy, and boy, as my the the most ardent Larry Drew supporters uh, would not argue it's going so fucking well that <laughs> they can't, <laughs> but keep him. Um, Carter, we're obligated to do this once a week. It, it isn't in our contract, so I have to ask you this question. Are the sure. Cavs going to win too many games? I just, I don't know, man. You got to worry about losing that, that pick. It's top 10 protected. Can't give that to Atlanta. Yeah, you, you um, really can't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> geez, guys. Uh, do you think Kevin Love is going to play in the next month? Yes. I, I think here is my I'm prediction. I'm very skeptical of this. <laughs> I am. I'm never wrong. So you're never me. wrong. We know this. Yes, as as the Pied Piper uh, for this podcast. Everybody, follow me. Pied Piper. Uh, nice. Um, I think Kevin Love's going to be back within three weeks. I think we're about three weeks out from him returning. Um, what kind of bold take is that? He was supposed to come back in mid January. You just basically said he'll come back in. I, it wasn't a bold take. It's coming. Uh, it's countering. Yeah, 
Ah, you're that's it, no, 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 trading, no. See, you're treating like you're treating it like it's as bold as my take. No, and it's not. No, no. Here's the thing: the way I talk, it makes you feel like what I have to say is important. So <laughs> trust that, me, I trust so me. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so you're mistaking that for me trying to. That's that's never been a problem. No, no, no. That's that's clearly what the problem is here. That's where the, there's this disconnect happening. I just think that they're going to. Um, I think they're going to say, oh, the Suns are pretty close there in the standings. A few teams within a couple games of the Cavs. Um, I, yeah, it's, uh, I'd, I'd say three teams they're really in competition with between Chicago, New York, and Phoenix. I think Atlanta's okay winning some games here and there. Right. And, and here's the thing. As long as you finish in the bottom three, you have identical odds at getting the first, second, or third pick. Like, but aren't you guaranteed a higher pick if you – like? Like, if you finish with a worse record, you're guaranteed at least top four. No, you're guaranteed top five. Or whatever, top five, sorry. But then you – but if you finish with the second worst, you're not – you're guaranteed, like, top six? Yeah. How does that work? Yeah, yeah, it just – So there is value in – even though you have the same odds, there's still value in having the worst. Let's – True. Not short that. No, no, there is value in having the worst, but – the odds of landing one of those top three picks that's going to matter. Like the, the thing is there's tiers, right? So to me, if you fall to five, it's just as bad as falling a six pretty much. Like you're, you're getting a very similar class of player. So that's why I don't get too concerned. And that's also why I don't say, Oh, trade Kevin love for nothing in return just to help improve our lottery odds. Like, well, yeah, I don't really want to do that. I'm just wondering if they try to draw this out like, oh, well, Kevin's uh, foot uh, cramped today, so we'll, we'll have to hold him on another three Oh, weeks. no, no, no. Like, I think they're going to do that. Is I, what I I'm, think they're going that's to why I think, I think they're going to wait even longer to bring him back than he was supposed to. He was For supposed sure. to be back by the new year originally, right? Uh, I don't know about that. Like, I, I, I do – I do think they'll rest him on back-to-backs. I think they'll manage his minutes. It's going to take him a while to get into shape as well because obviously with the foot injury, it's it's different than when you like fracture your hand and you can still work out and do cardio. You can like, still run. Yeah, he, he has been chilling. So I, I think um, it, it's going to come be back old. like Minnesota Kevin Love. Am I right, fellas? <laughs> Just kidding. He's not going to do that. Oh, he's going to come back like Dion Waiters. Looking thick. <laughs> with two Qs. Absolutely. All right. Well, that seems like a good place to wrap. We should say now that the holiday season is over, we are going to go back to normal recording schedule. We've lied a few times, um, but then life. But in happens. fairness, guys, like, come on. Were you gonna? Were you guys gonna listen on New Year's Day? Were you? I don't yeah. think so. Well, while you're hungover, ha- having your powder blues. Um, <laughs> see what I did there? Call Woo, back to the beginning. Call back callback problematic callbacks to the beginning all right well for whoever did listen over the holidays and uh whoever continues to support us we really do appreciate you you guys are awesome and um you guys made last year really awesome and i'm really looking forward to what 2019 has to justin do you have any new year's resolutions um yes here's actually my new year's resolution i'm deleting like the food delivery app off of my phone because I spend way too much damn money by being lazy. So um, that's that's what I'm doing. What about you? I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. Man, there you go. Yeah. I'm a buzzkill. That's not a holiday that means anything to me. Okay. You know what Good. I 
So can I, can, I, can I briefly lay out yeah, while we're yeah. here my New York my New Year's take? Our whole childhoods are structured around like a school calendar. So for kids, nothing changes from one year to the next. Like they just go back to school, you know? So it's only the only change even for an adult is okay, it's a new fiscal year. But like there's no like but even lifestyle that happens change. In like March, right? Like I'm saying if the school year <laughs> ended, yeah, if the school year ended like December twentieth and and then you know like I think I would be conditioned to feel like things are, are even a little bit different, but it's just like it don't feel so arbitrary, which it is, but it feels like it. This you is, know? This is a hell of a take. So I just don't care about New Year's. I care about like going into summer, I guess, from when I was a kid. That's different. Life changes. I'm in a new grade. I guess, your, just, I guess to your point, nothing has changed with the Cavs either. We're, no. we're still waiting on trade deadline. We're still waiting on the draft. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. It's a, it's a nothing holiday. How about that, this? How about when I like going out and drinking with my friends, though. How about this, Carter? I just, I just, I'm not going to get worked up about it. When, when this NBA season is over and, and the draft lottery has happened, how about we make resolutions at that point? We're definitely going to remember to do that. This isn't going to be one definitely. of the things that falls. We're very, very committed to this. Okay, cool. All right. Well, if are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Okay, good. All right. So, <laughs> listen, we added like this podcast is going to look like we added three minutes to it. There so, you go. Yeah. If so facto. You you like making things look longer than they should be, right? Yep. There you go. I don't really. I don't know, man. I, it I didn't know. work. It didn't work that well. But uh, we will continue to try to do better, even though Carter doesn't want to do better, and he uh, is basically throwing. I'm away. always looking to improve, Justin. Just not at an arbitrary holiday. Can you wrap this? Jeez, I'm trying. I'm trying, and you just cut me off. Sorry. Well, awkward transition. Thank you guys so much for your continued support. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, tell your friends and family about it. And if you want to be part of our Discord chat, you can screenshot a copy of the review and email that to chasedownpod at gmail.com. We'd be more than happy to send you a reply back with an invite to the Discord. Uh, so thank you to all our listeners, all our supporters. I hope you guys had great holidays and that 2019 brings you nothing but blessings and hopefully better Cavs basketball. So for Carter and myself, go Cavs. <laughs>